Hello and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, from the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in its seminal sports. You're listening to Tomahawk Talk on WBFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State, coming to you live from room 420 inside of Diffenbaugh. Save your jokes at the door. I am your host, Nicholas Carlisle, bringing you the latest, greatest, and Florida State is in everything sports, or at least as much as we can fit within the hour for people all around the world. Of course, you can find us on Twitter at talk underscore Tomahawk, and you can call into the show at 850-644-1837. Once again, that's 850-644-1837. Welcome to Tomahawk Talk, everyone. And just like Roger Federer, we hope that we can be doing this when we are 37 years old. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we continue to be in a drought of sports content, and the thirst for sports news grows stronger every day. And just like everybody else, I think we're clinging on to free agency as long as we can before we have to find something else to talk about. It's tough out here. It's tough out on these streets. It's gotten to the point where every single thing that happens over the week is a big story, but that's kind of just the way that I like it. We get to talk about all the sports all the time. Well, technically, that's not true. We still have to squeeze it into one hour, and that is what we shall do. So let's get right into it. What is a captain without his crew? I am joined by my good friend and co-host, Mr. UCF, Mr. Almost Restored Hearing. We're getting there. We're getting there. It's, an it's hour? Uh, no, an hour. One month? One month for an, an appointment? Uh, well, apparently, if, you, if, if you're a big guy like me, you can, you can sweet talk the receptionist into uh into maybe getting it for wednesday wednesday i will have restored hearing and you know my favorite part about this week here nick is that i heard it's the last week without nfl football wow so that that's that's exciting college well technically that just means good football good football's back well if you go over to brett brett's gonna argue that uh the canadian football league might be your option yeah, yeah, my, my Calgary Stampeders, huge 10-point victory at home last week against the Toronto Argonauts. On Thursday night football, they'll be back again this <laughs> Thursday, Thursday trying to defend their 2018 uh, Grey Cup championship. So, yeah, football is already back, and <laughs> <laughs> we're in okay, good shape. Okay. I, can't, I can't take it seriously. I'm Mute sorry. It. Mute it. Uh, Shane Lowry winning the British Open by six shots. Luke, what was your reaction to this? It was a dominant performance. He won 10 years ago in the Irish Open at the same place. A lot of people were choosing Rory McIlroy because Rory McIlroy had the uh, the course record at 61 at Portrush um, when he was 16. Wow. But uh, 14 years later, he wasn't as good as he was when he was a 16-year-old. I think he shot 79-65 and missed the cut by one stroke. Oof. Tough, tough. Tough. But Shane Lowry won it for Ireland. And uh, a lot I, of, I heard that lot, Ireland. Yeah, yeah, I heard, yeah, I heard lot, it in there. A lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of people are excited over there. I think he is still uh, having a Guinness or two tonight. <laughs> I hear. I like the extra effort. And uh, joining us tonight is Lucas Vetia. Gosh, your name always scares me, Lucas. We are going to get into some NBA power rankings tonight. But since we haven't had you on since the basketball world practically exploded, what was your biggest takeaway from free agency? Um, it is way more of an open year than it has been in the past few years. There is no clear favorite anymore, and it's definitely going to be an interesting season. Uh, and rounding out the panel is the regular Brett Rutherford. I'm still struggling to get a nickname for you. It's been it's been a couple. It's been I mean you've been on pretty much every single week consistently, and I still don't have a nickname yeah, for a, you. It's been a long summer. Uh, I'm good with just Brett Rutherford. Just, I dig it. Just just uh, Brett Rutherford. Yeah, but if you're trying to come up with a nickname, you don't have a whole lot of time left. You're gonna I have don't. To, uh, I have, I have a few weeks. A I have a few weeks. All right. Well, I'll be I'll be waiting, waiting. in anticipation. I got Well, I can't call you Brett. Punch a guy in the face, Rutherford. I mean, it doesn't really have a. It nice doesn't have a ring to, to it. it but maybe, that's but that's your call. I mean, bro, I that's your story Rowdy of the summer. Rowdy Rutherford. 
Rowdy Rutherford. I actually, Rock, I think, I think there's some Rutherford. There's, there's some copyright. I'm sure. Rockus Rutherford. I don't know. Mm, I don't I know. Don't know. We'll work on it. We'll work, work on it. Luke Fay, Brett Rutherford, Lucas Vatia. Once again, I am your host, Nick Carlisle. We are starting off the top, which, if you didn't already know, is the segment where I take a look at the past week in sports, find the top stories, ask our panel about them without them knowing the topic, forcing them to come up with the answers off the top of their heads at the top of the show. And tonight, college football media days tend to have some fireworks every now and again, and this year was no different. Northwestern head football coach Pat Fitzgerald went on quite a rant uh, on college football's attendance issues when he took the podium and he cited technology and more specifically smartphones as the reason why attendance is down for college football games, saying that the fans, quote, would rather have 12 TVs set up in their TV watching cave than go to a game and experience the pageantry and tailgating. First of all, find me the college student that has to put 12 TVs together, and I'll give you a reward. We got pretty close to Gianna's place. We got pretty close, but, I mean, three, just imagine – an well, entire by the end of the day, view by of, the end of the day, we only had two, Nick. Yeah. Well, that's true. Uh, anyways, guys, is technology really to blame for attendance issues in college football? Or do you, do you think that uh, Fitzgerald is off base on his argument here, Luke? Uh, no, he's he, he's completely on front and correct. I I want to go back to I'll have to look it up real quick, but the University of Florida, I believe, spent ten million dollars yeah. overhauling their Wi-Fi system in the stadium. So that students could get Wi-Fi on their phone and stay longer. That that just if that doesn't say that the, that the world is changing as we speak, the the tickets. Someone said that a ticket to Georgia, I think the average cost this season is going to be about four hundred dollars, somewhere around there. You could get a very nice forty-inch uh, screen TV and watch for free the Georgia game with that amount of money. So it, it's it's give or take. Do you really value going to the games? And when you aren't getting the amount of fun out of them, I don't know how much fun you get at a Northwestern game. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but but that being said, they're going to actually be pretty good, Northwestern. They got the uh, tran- they have a transfer from Clemson, Hunter, I don't know his last Not name. Not Hunter Renfro? No. Not for a seventh-year yeah, eligibility? Yeah, 12-year uh, eligibility. It's, it's something Hunter, but he was a five-star at Clemson and ended up transferring Northwestern. But anyways – Back, back to it. I I think that he's right. There's there's no question that some of us have just been, you know, I can't get in contact with my friends. This game is, you know, whatever. It's hot outside. The weather. Why why would you want to stay to a full football game and in, in, during th- this occasion? Lucas. Yeah, he makes he makes a very valid point. I mean, listen, going to you know these games, a lot of them, a lot of the times, they're not cheap events to go to. So if you can, you know, manage to watch them on your phone, just on a laptop, like something you already have readily available, then there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I can see that happen. Right. Yeah, I think, and I can I can actually take what what Luke said about taking uh, four hundred dollars and getting a forty inch TV. I can vouch that you can get an even bigger TV for even less money. Wow! A recent purchaser of a television <laughs> after the uh, debacle at uh, Gianna's apartment that we won't go into too much detail on on the show. Alex Krutchik is still a we, little okay. Bit all right, is he in stress. the studio? I no, he, he's okay. in the he's in the Shark Tank. He might oh. come into the studio oh. and, does and he have the headphones on. He does. Uh, but anyways, yeah, I, I do think he's got a point. Uh, when you're going to a college football game, and, and we've all experienced it firsthand. It's an all-day commitment. Not only is the game going to be three and a half, four hours long, you got to get to the stadium a little early. you got to find a way to and from the stadium. Uber prices are through the roof on game days. The traffic is terrible. The The lines everywhere are bad. So if you're going to go to a game, it's an all-day commitment. So why not get as many TVs as you can into one living room or go to a sports bar or whatever 
and spare yourself paying for the ticket, getting to watch as many games as you want. And, and we've all, again, experienced it firsthand in Doe Campbell Stadium. There is no cell reception in there. Nope. And, and we're all fans of not just Florida State football, yes, but college yeah. football in general. And I want to see the scores. Yeah, and, we want to see the scores. Watch, watch the game. watch the game on your phone as well. That's... And I looked it up, Nick. It is six point three million dollars for for the UF upgrade of wow. Wi-Fi. Uh, you can you can talk about the Northwestern what, what the coach said as well. But do you think that that is a valuable amount of money to put towards keeping fans in the stadium? Well, in comparison to what is what I would throw back at well, you. I mean, you've got compare it to well Florida in, compa- State in comparison to just Florida like State an has. overhaul of let's say Doe Campbell Stadium. I don't know what the prices would be and how that would work out, but no. But do you think if Doke had if Doke had better internet for everyone else, would that make you stay longer? Well, what it, it, there's like so many. I guess depending of or uh, I'm trying to think of the word. I'm not a math guy, but it's a independent variable. I think that might be the. Um, the, the term I'm looking for, but what time of year is it? Is this an August or September game where we're facing, uh, or Florida State rather, is facing like a Charleston Southern and it's 95 degrees outside? I don't think any amount of money would uh, would force students to be able to stand in the stands and watch that. But I'm actually really surprised by y'all's answers because, you know, I, it's not that I don't disagree with Pat Fitzgerald. I do, but I just don't think it has as much of an impact as he says it does. You know, just thinking about the amount of concessions and the prices of those and yeah. it's cash only in a lot of places Doe Campbell is also a very dry stadium now I'm kind of getting Are you into, saying we like our drinking yeah here well I mean college it's getting into college student territory there's no there's nothing that's going to surprise people you know about college student and the college student lifestyle but uh, you walk into Doe Campbell Stadium depending on what time of year it is and it you know there's very rare uh, there's a few places in the college football world that have great weather all the time you know it's going to be snowing in Northwestern for for example, for, you know, three out of the four or five months of college football, I wouldn't pay anybody uh, to stand or sit rather in a blizzard and watch Northwestern, who was OK last year. But of course, fandoms will have their fandoms. There's a whole lot more variables that go into this than just technology. Definitely. And although, you know, being able to sit at home and have a whole bunch of games on, throw a party, the days of tailgating, I think, are going out the door. I think that's kind of also what he was talking about. It's a very black and white, either or kind of situation, but there's so many more independent variables that go into this than just technology. I wouldn't place all the blame on technology. I'd place weather. I'd place the kind of stagnant aura of college football. It's been Clemson, Alabama for four years now. There's no real surprise anymore, so why go to the games? And especially when you're focusing on Tallahassee in general, Florida State stunk last year, and I stay stunk with a capital S. I do not blame people for not going to those games. Nick, I have a question for you sure. because I'm going to get on my soapbox right here and, and throw out a little bit of a complaint to Florida State. Oh, and, okay. And, and my complaint is you look at other schools. Um, the, the one that comes to mind for me is UCF. They have a designated tailgate area for their students. Florida State, there are a lot of houses that border around Doak Campbell Stadium, but a lot of schools you can reserve, you can reserve spots to tailgate. Florida State, have you, I, you as a student, you cannot reserve a spot. No. No frats can reserve spots. No, just uh, an everyday student can't reserve a spot in and around the stadium. That hurts. That hurts a lot of the game day atmosphere that you're saying, well, you know, what, we can't go tailgate by the stadium. You're going to get me into the stadium. It, I feel like that would be a solution for Florida State in the first place is, is give a better fan experience to the students by letting them be able to tailgate close to the stadium. So taking that idea and running with it, I th- it kind of doubles down on my argument here. Technology doesn't have everything to do with it. I think it actually has more to do with programs not willing to evolve with 
I guess the generations yeah. that come into their college, pro, uh, their their colleges. They've also late. Very yeah. that that as well too. I mean, coming in halfway through the first quarter, taking a photo, leaving. I don't, I can't tell you how many times. Picture with garnet and gold. Yeah. And yep. Just, uh, yep. Get out of the stadium so you can get it uploaded on uh, Instagram and yep. Snapchat. Yep. Over yeah, hundred, I gotta get over the. In, I gotta get over hundred likes, bro. <laughs> yeah, I, I did criticize the University of Florida's decision to to make those renovations just because I think when you go to a college football game, and that's me being a football fan, that you shouldn't be on your phone. You should be watching the game, yeah. taking part in the, in the the crowd experience. But I definitely get that decision, and I think that Florida State might have to make a decision similar to that in the future. Well, that was the off the top segment brought to you by me, sponsored by me, delivered by our panel. Uh, just, I think it's a great. I guess transition talk already talking about Florida State football. Florida State was picked to place third in the ACC Atlantic Conference uh, behind Clemson and Syracuse. Clemson obviously number one. There's a gigantic surprise. I am dumbfounded by that surprise. And Syracuse was in second place. Guys, do you agree with the placement? Florida State in third, Luke. Yes, it's it's the right spot. You you look at the teams that are that are ahead of them, and to some people, it's it's a little bit surprising that you would have Syracuse at number two um, but. in the division. But for me, I I agree. I agree. I think Syracuse is going to be very good next year. They beat the tar out of Florida State at home 30-7. to I'm, I'm looking back at the stats, and Eric Dungy went down um, in, in that uh, in that game, and it brought in Tommy DeVito. What a name. Great name. Got, got to say that. But he went, he went 11 for 16 for 144 yards and a touchdown. Uh, coming in relief, and he's only going to be a sophomore next year. I I'm saying it right now. Florida State at third is a little bit generous. Uh, I think it's a little bit generous. They could easily be fifth um, in, in in the division. And I I say this, Syracuse is one of the lot. I think Syracuse is going to come in and beat Florida State next year, and that will cause some problems for some fans. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I really struggled with the placement for Florida State when these when these rankings came out because there is a gigantic gap between one, two, and then three. The the gap between two and three is quite yes. huge, larger than any other gap between any other spot on the list. And I was with I was in the same boat as you, Luke. I was thinking, well, third is kind of generous for a Florida State team that finished fifth in the ACC Atlantic last year and really doesn't have that much of a roster turnover. Some could say that it got worse in some areas. Well, you some, got a new quarterback. Some, new, well, new, I guess in quotations. Refurbished. Uh, a, a, new, a refurbished, a new and possibly to be determined improved quarterback. Third, I felt was really generous. I thought that even though NC State lost Ryan Finley, they lost a, a couple of guys that they could have easily slid into that third spot just because Florida State is a gigantic question mark right above their logo. Lucas, what was your reaction to Florida State being named third? Yeah, I have to agree with you. I definitely thought that that was you know kind of generous. I really saw you know NC State you know having gone nine four being you know ahead of us. I NC State with Bailey Hockman, right? Yeah. Yeah, Florida State. Good point. Uh, Florida State transfer Bailey yeah. Hockman did not look bad at Florida State. He really did. He just never got a chance. He's going to come in with some. He's going to have some vengeance against Florida State when they match up. That's a NC State is a team to look out for as well, Lucas. Yeah, they're a bit of my you know dark horse. Uh, one of the dark horse teams that I've got for the ACC Atlantic. So, but yeah, I just thought that it was it was kind of generous. But we'll see how it matches up. 
I, I think third place for Florida State is very fair. I do think I still think after everything that's gone on, they're a better football team than NC State. They're a better football team than Boston uh, College, and they, I think they could overtake Syracuse. This I don't year. know. Boston College like always gives Florida State trouble. Yeah, but if you're looking or, well, I guess in recent season, history, over the course of an eight game schedule, even if Boston College pulls off a win against Florida State, they could still finish ahead of them in the schedule. In terms of the Syracuse game, which is going to be later on in the season, I think it's going to be a matter of, of where Florida State could be going into that game with maybe one loss against Clemson, but they could be going in with three losses again if they lose to Boise State and on the road um, against Virginia. So I think last year the Syracuse game, once you got to the second half, that was one of those games where the Florida State team just quit. And I think we're going to learn, and we're going to learn real fast, what type, of, what type of team Willie Taggart has this year. If he's got quitters or if he's got guys that are ready to go for a full 12-game schedule, give it their all 100%. You know, you've got some of the, the locker room cancers out last season. I, I do believe that. And I think the third-place um, finish in the ACC polls really probably is credited to Kendall Bryles. You know, they're, they're not getting the same offense last year that you had with Walt Bell and with Willie Taggart calling the plays. I think it's a the lot same of, type, though. It's the second year underneath a fast-paced offense. The first year is always going to be tough. But, but I think if they hadn't brought in Kendall Bryles, if they had made a lesser hire or if Walt Bell was still in charge, they might not be in third. That's where you might see them finishing behind an NC State or a, or a BC. Nick, I, I have a question for all, all three of you guys. How do you think it would be disrespectful to college football if just based on name Florida State is in the top 25? Because... I, I I'm looking at polls and they're gonna they're gonna most likely put Florida State in the 22 range. Is is that ridiculous that Florida State is going to be in the top 25 based off of what they had last season, what they're coming into? Yes, that's absolutely disrespectful to college football. I mean, you're you're thinking about a a, a poll in which UCF had multiple big wins last year and really stayed in a bubble pretty much the entire year. We've talked about that at like, ad nauseum. After after Florida State had that horrible season the year before, Florida State was ranked ahead of UCF after UCF went perfect right. to start yeah. last year. Right. So I, I, I don't necessarily know how how strictly or how seriously you want to judge preseason polls, but if Florida State does end up in the top 25, I'm going to personally see that as disrespect for the rest of the college football landscape because what has Florida State shown you exactly, last yeah. year to deserve it? And and the other thing is it gives that expectation to, to Florida State fans who don't really watch that Florida State's pretty good this year. We got to, you know. And, mm-hmm. and in reality, they aren't really that good, and that expectation is going to keep Taggart on that hot seat. Right. I completely agree with you. Uh, any closing thoughts on that before we move on? Yeah, I just want to say that preseason college football polls in general are kind of a disgrace to college football. They're really based on, you look at the rosters on paper, who's got the most talent, who has got the most five, four-star recruits. And so, yeah, Florida State's going to be in the top 25, um, but I don't think that really says anything about the team. Nick, I, I want to I ask you, who is your surprise for the ACC this year that's going to do better than other teams than 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 other teams would have been predicted. Wow. Um yeah, you got you place the 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 rankings right in front of me. I'm I'm going <laughs> to throw this out. I'm I'm going to I'm going to speak it into existence. Speaking into I existence. Think that Go ahead. UNC is going to win 7 plus games this year wow. with Sam Howell. Sam Howell, former <laughs> former Florida State recruit. Honestly, yeah. I I like I like what what Mac Brown is doing over there and he's got a quarterback. That that's a that's a really good pick. I honestly was gonna, I was looking at the list, and North Carolina would have been my pick as well. Um, obviously, I think Syracuse, even at number, even at rank two, is still extremely underrated. I don't think people give them enough credit. You they know? won ten games last year. They won yeah. ten games, and they could they could beat Clemson. And they're really lucky they to have Dino Babers. They could oh. beat Clemson. Well, they beat them two years ago and had them up down to the wire this past season. Okay, well, moving on the over under segment. 
Uh, you liked it. We brought it back. So essentially, the over under segment is just a play on words of the the old gambling saying, or I guess the I guess the gambling technique, mechanic, however you want to address it. Brett, uh, over under. You're going to catch on very quick, Lucas. You're going to catch on very quickly as well. Uh, we're going to start off with Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Did I get that right, Luke? You did. Oh, you it. oh, I, oh, Zlatan, one of the one yes, of the great yes, FIFA thank you. players thank on you. the video game of all time, in my opinion. On the video game, not just in, not just in real life, just in video <laughs> games. Uh, <laughs> Ibrahimovic's comments on the level of play in MLS, including targeting LAFC's Carlos Vela before El Trafico, saying he's 29 and in his prime playing in MLS. Where was I when I was 29 in Europe? There's a big difference. Is he overplaying this or is he understressing it, Luke? No, that's a that's a perfect statement, which is he is the best. Ibrahimovic is probably the best player in the MLS right now at the age of, you said, 34? 30? Uh, I, I, th- I don't know if he's, is he 34? I think I think it's somewhere around there. Let's, let's just say he is 34. He's I in his he 30s. But he's coming off of a horrific knee injury that threatened to end his career and comes in and, and plays at that high of a caliber. It, it's it, They said that the problem with the MLS is that the – and I listened to his comments – was that the MLS wants to make money, and the owners want to make money, and they aren't doing it out of the love of the game. So that kind of hurts. It's the American mantra of we want to win, and we want to make money winning, and that hurts the, 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 the type of play that you can – talent that you can get. You're getting – Great players who are coming to a retirement league. That's what that's what people around the world think of the MLS, and I don't think it'll ever improve. It, it, it really won't because if you're a great MLS player, is your dream to stay in the MLS, Nick? No, absolutely not. You want to play in the Premier League. You want to play in the best leagues in the world. That's like saying that it's it's exactly what I I compare the MLS, and you guys can argue with me about this, to what the China league is for NBA players. Ooh. I don't. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know about that one. But we'll move on, anyways. Lucas, is he overplaying this or understressing it? No, I think he's right on the money. I mean, you just can't compare, you know, American fo- American soccer to Europe. It's just way too big of a difference. I mean, you know, his comments saying he's the best player by far. You know, then just a couple days later gets a hat trick. So it definitely, he definitely is on the ball with that. Overplaying or understressing, Brad? I'm gonna say he's overplaying it. But really, that's what Zlatan does. That's what he's known for. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, he, he's going to get under his opponent's skin with his comments to the media, with his comments to those players directly. Um, but talking to Luke's point about MLS being a retirement league, Carlos Vela coming over at such a young age, 29 is not super young, and tearing up the league the way he is, I'm going to say Carlos Vela is the best player in MLS right now. I know Zlatan got the best of LAFC and El Trafico last weekend, um, but Vela is still the league uh, leader in, in goals scored. Um, and, and when you have a rivalry like that with two players at the top of their game, that's what's going to uh, improve the popularity and the, you know, the play in Major League Soccer. Uh, OBJ talked openly again about his time with the Giants, saying that the team has been bad for six years, and the only reason the Giants were scheduled in primetime and people wanted to watch them was because of Odell Beckham Jr. himself. Is he overconfident or underappreciated for what he did for the team, Luke? I think he's underappreciated, but I'm going to throw in Saquon Barkley was kind of a reason why people were watching mm-hmm. uh, the, the Giants last year. Um, so they did lose, lose a, a great guy in Odell Beckham Jr., but they also have Saquon Barkley that's still going to probably get them in the prime time. So Eli Manning is probably someone they're going to want to move on from. 
uh, very, very, very soon. <laughs> to Daniel so Jones. So we'll, um, we'll see. Oh, my gosh. I, I forgot they drafted him. Yeah, right? Gosh, <laughs> okay. Lucas, uh, is he overconfident or is he underappreciated? Yeah, I think he's been kind of overconfident with this. I mean, you know, the Giants, they're still – um, you know, they're still in a premier kind of, uh, what's it called, football uh, area in New York. So, got that. But, yeah. Uh, so, that is overconfident from Lucas. Brett? Oh, oh, OBJ is overconfident. But, again, this is who he is. I think a lot of people watch the New York Giants because it's a great soap opera. There's drama. And we love watching failure as much as we love watching greatness in the United yeah. States. And it's like watching a, a car crash in slow motion with the New York <laughs> Giants, with Eli Manning, with them drafting Daniel Jones. And they've got a really talented player in Saquon Barkley, and they had one in OBJ. But you just know it's not going to end well. I think that's why, like, why people like to watch the New York Giants. Yeah, for me, as much as I love this statement, I think he's overconfident. I mean, the reason that I watched the Giants last year is because it was an absolute train wreck and it was absolutely hysterical to watch. I mean, it was really just him a, kicking the net, bro. Oh yeah. Oh my god. I've never seen a net fight back so hard. But but that's the thing. Like he caused that. I I think that he's underappreciated. I, Nick. Well, Come on, I, man. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the NFL is not suspending Tyreek Hill for violating the personal conduct policy on the basis of lack of evidence that he hurt his kid. Is this not over yet, Luke, or is this water under the bridge? Oh, it's not over. I think it's a disgrace. We've talked about it multiple times, how he's gotten in and out of trouble. And right when you think, all right, it's it's hit the, the good path. The NFL was making some headway on good decisions. <sighs> Dude, you, it's it's it, rough. It, I, I, I have no words. It's just uh, you can be a great you can be. And this is what I tell people. You can be a great coworker, but a terrible person. Mm-hmm. And. If this person, is that what you really think of me? I'm just kidding. And, and if this person is a terrible person, he shouldn't be your coworker. Mm-hmm. Lucas? Uh, yeah, I'm going to say that this isn't over yet. I mean, there's still uh, investigations going on around this, you know, especially in today's day and age where, you know, incidents like this definitely get a lot of coverage. I definitely expect it to keep going. All right, Brett, not over yet or water under the bridge? In the Kansas City market, it's probably water under the bridge, uh, but nationally, and something that the NFL is going to have to deal with sooner or later, uh, it's it's not over because with the lack of transparency and the lack of consistency in their decisions, there's something not right here, and everyone's going to keep referencing decisions made on Tom Brady's suspension and, again, now on, on Tyreek Hill's, and it's just not a really good-looking situation. Yeah, this is not over yet. I think this is a disgrace that he – I mean, I don't know about lack of evidence. I think telling your wife that you should be afraid of you, I mean, it's not anything damning in that sense, but I think intent is something that the NFL definitely needs to look into, and uh, I, w- I would perceive that as a threat. I don't think this is over yet. I think I would be surprised if Tyreek Hill finishes this season, to be honest with you. Tim Duncan joining the Spurs as an assistant coach. Is this overdue, or do you think Tim Duncan should still be under the palm trees on vacation? Oh, I think it's overdue, and I thought you were going to say, do you think he should still be playing? <laughs> I, he's, it, it's, he has that unteachable uh, type of game that has been lost. Like He was one of the last back-to-the-baskets finesse centers that you see. Jokic is kind of a little bit of, of a resembling of him, but... Tim Duncan in that 15-footer knockdown, I I love it. I really do love it. And Nick, could he be maybe the next Spurs coach eventually? Maybe. I was kind Ten of along that same train, a train of thought. Lucas, overdue, or should he be under the branches? This is overdue. I could have, you know, predicted this before he retired. I mean, considering, <laughs> you know, he's the franchise's all-time best player, leader in points, you know, rebounds, shots blocked. It's definitely he's – one of the biggest, if not the biggest, uh, 
icon in San Antonio, so it's not surprising. Brett? Definitely overdue. I think any assistant coaching hire in the NBA is really a, like a low-intensity, low-risk move. And to bring in a guy that had so much success in San Antonio to try to get them back to, to their greatness that they, they were once in um, and to kind of assist Greg Popovich, there's not a lot of pressure on Tim Duncan until he eventually assumes a head coaching role, potentially either in San Antonio or elsewhere. But I think it overdue and, and a great move by the San Antonio Spurs. All right, we're going to try to wrap this up because we are halfway. We're going to uh, do one more here. Wizards to pay Bradley Beal, if he accepts it, a three-year $111 million max extension this week. Luke, is he overpaid or is Bradley Beal undervalued? It's really hard to tell because he's on such a sorry team. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's almost a, a Kimba Walker type of deal where, all right, are, are we kind of hyping him up because of, of what he really is after John, John Wall went down with that injury and then Bradley Beal's numbers came up even more. I, I really don't know. He can just, I, I would take the money if I'm Bradley Beal. Lucas, overpaid or uh, undervalued? Yeah, again, it's one of these kind of deals. It's more of a situational uh, situational mm-hmm. uh, deal for me, considering that they don't have John Waldies out for this next season. I think right now he's just the best player in a struggling franchise, and they want to keep him on, so they're offering him this money. Yep, Brett? Undervalued. I love to see teams keep their, their talent instead of going the tanking route, so I think it's a really good move for the Wizards, and it's now the ball's in Bradley Beal's court. I think I think he's being overpaid. I don't know that I would give him a max extension for somebody that was basically in John Wall's shadow or basically his kickout man for how many years now? Four or five. And this this is essentially the Wizards just pan. And I'm not going to say panicking, but they're under pressure to sign somebody. They haven't really signed anybody. This is just keeping their cards at the table. Um, I think he's I think he's being overpaid. So with that being said, we are going to take about a two minute break. You are listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. Cold is the water It freezes your already cold mind Already cold, cold mind Death is at your doorstep And it will steal your it will not steal your substance But you are not alone in this And you are not alone in this As brothers we will stand and we'll hold your hand Hold your hand ladder to the stars 
And welcome back to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. On the other side of the break, we were doing a little over-under, and we finished with Bradley Beal and what we thought on his potential, he hasn't signed yet, potential $111 million three-year contract max extension with the Washington Wizards, and that's a really, really nice segue to, again, clinging on to NBA free agency and sapping it for all it's worth because that's all that anybody can talk about right now. Uh, we're going to do some NBA power rankings. And if uh, NBA free agency hasn't officially ended, I mean, how can we how can we trademark the uh, what's the last day? Has it already passed? Uh, I would say when when preseason ball starts. When preseason ball starts. That, so free agency obviously doesn't I mean, it doesn't just include signings, obviously trades, um un, undrafted free uh, free agents, all that jazz. So uh, we're going to have uh, hopefully some uh, hot takes here with uh, the NBA power rankings. I've asked everybody to rank their top five teams, and uh, hopefully we go at each other and uh, disagree extremely. So, Luke, give me your top five. I don't think I could even go go that far, but let's see. I'm going to go with the Clippers at one. Clippers at one. The Bucks at two. Okay. Stop looking off my screen. Oh, oh, is, I, I, I didn't no. know. <laughs> Clippers at one, Bucks at two. I'm going to throw in... Sixers at three. Okay. Okay. That's that's a little bit. I, I disagree with there. you. Then over at four, I'm gonna go with the Jazz. Ooh. Okay. Like All right. And the Nuggets at five. Ooh. So, so the Lakers weren't anywhere near there. Well, I, you know, five A, but I, I, I think so it's fine. Five I think it's I think it's fine for right now. The Lakers still still their roster is LeBron and AD, and you got to have a bench that comes in there. That's the reason why Golden State lost is they got rid of their bench pieces and they went down with injuries, and you're starting a no-name uh, who, who can't play ball. Mm-hmm. All right, Brett, what do you got, man? Actually, it's pretty similar to Luke's. All right, well, somebody's going to have to disagree at some point. But because... I'm, ta- I'm taking Clippers one. I've okay. been high on the Clippers really all offseason. Every move they made from the draft, obviously, go Knowles, um, to the free agency decisions. Um, the Bucks at two, I think we're really going to see um, Giannis Antetokounmpo unlocked. I'm looking at 30 points per game this 30. year out of Giannis. Is he going to average? I mean, I don't think he really has the assist numbers, but could he potentially average triple double this he, season? He'll get close. I think the, obviously the rebounds will be there again. Okay. Maybe maybe he'll try to get over six assists per game, which is not super close. But again, Giannis is one of the best players in the league. Um, and then I'm, I'm I'm sticking with Philly at three. Uh, I've really loved to see how Philly's built this team. I think Joel Embiid, another guy primed for a career year. I think he's going to be on a bit of a revenge tour. We saw how much. You know, when they, when they lost and were eliminated from the playoffs, how that hit him emotionally. Health, um, health, though. Health and Yeah, included. he's got to stay healthy. But I think if he is healthy, he's the best center in the league. Um, and, the, and the next team for at number four, I've got the Denver Nuggets. Um, I think this is probably one of the deeper teams in the league. You look at, you know, Jokic and Jamal Murray and, and, and all the depth they have. I think they're a really probably the most the deepest team in the league. I think they actually really have a chance to compete for an NBA title. And then number five, I know Luke left him off, but I'm going to go with the LA Lakers. I think that combination of, of top talent with LeBron James and Anthony Davis is going to be really deadly. And I don't know if there's many teams that can match that on the court. I don't know what you and Luke are, are sipping, but I don't know why you place the 76ers that high. I, I really don't. I mean, until Ben Simmons establishes that he can get a jump shot. I mean, it's, it's really as simple as one player being able to shoot the ball a little better, but that jump in his game 
is what sells or breaks the 76ers for me, and I don't see them being that great. And, they got and with them losing chemistry, Reddit. though, I, I like their team chemistry. Team they chemistry, got... I don't. I mean, yeah, you get rid of Jimmy Butler, and the team chemistry kind of resets itself. But I, I, I don't know but how. I, I don't I, know how this current regime would work. But you got to understand, the West is going to be cannibalistic. All right, so you're gonna have you're gonna have teams that are of the same caliber, but only one team's gonna come out. Right, the, but the this, is, this is this isn't this different. isn't who's gonna come out of the West. This is the top five teams in the NBA, right now, power rankings, and that's why the 76ers don't. I can see your argument. I don't. Can see that's it. why they don't make it that high. In, in I'm not opinion, saying that they're not that they're not a a a, a championship contending team. They absolutely are. But the fact that Ben Simmons refuses to get a jump shot just pushes them out of con- that that pushes them out of contention to being a top three team in the NBA right now. No, in, in my opinion, they're very narrow, a very narrow second to the Bucks in the East, and that means all they got to do is make it out of the East to, oh, and to in the East, in yeah, the East. to have that a chance. A, he's about to go. They're, off. They're, they're a little bit of a matchup, uh, uh, a little bit of a matchup nightmare for yeah. some teams. But if they get past Milwaukee, I think then all they got to do is win a you know a seven game series against a, some some team out of the West to to win an NBA championship. I don't think that's that far fetched. Me either. Mm. Lucas, all right, give me your five. All right, so I'm taking the Clippers at number one, uh, the Lakers at number two. This might be a, yeah, this might okay. be a popular opinion. No, okay, we'll, we'll come back We'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. All right, the Bucks at number three, the Nuggets at number four, and the Rockets at number five. Listen, oh, okay. just hear me out, all right? I know that, you know, the combination of Russell Westbrook and James Harden right now might seem like that's going to be kind of hard to work with, but considering that they have been teammates before, you know, I think that they will find a way to make it work, and once they do, that will definitely be a combination to look out for. I It'll think be fun to watch. It's like going to be fun to watch. Yeah, the train wreck. Exactly. I don't know. Like the Giants. I don't, if, I don't even know be, if the yeah. Rockets are going to be a top 10 team in the NBA this wow. year. I don't. Uh, that's a I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's like, okay, so... I'm sure everybody has a cousin that they're very close to. You know, you, you you go through your high school, you don't see this cousin for like three or four years, and then you come back and you say, "Wow, you've really changed. You don't look you, like you don't look the same. Like you're taller. You, you maybe put on a couple extra pounds." That's what I feel like this is going to be with Russell Westbrook and James Harden. The the play style and the the chemistry that they had four or five years ago is not going to be the same as it, as it, as it they expected to be. Well, maybe today. Russ, maybe maybe you got to think about people can change their game. And I think that but Russell Westbrook, to? Russell Westbrook, when he was early on, he did not need to be a scorer. He was a distributor. He was a great passer. He he now with if you look at the Rockets, they have shooters on their team. He won't have to get buckets. He won't have to take jump shots. So he'll be more of a distributor to help James Harden's game to where James Harden doesn't have to uh, go one on one and try to make his, create his own shots. James Harden won't have to create his own shots. You can see him maybe spotting up with knowing Russell Westbrook can get get into open space and kick out. Lucas, why are the Lakers at two? All right, so... Yeah, explain this one to me. So first, you've got, you know, potentially the NBA's best duo now with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Then you've got, you know, still play great role players like Kyle Kuzma, you know, Avery Bradley now that they've added, Rajon Rondo, they've added Danny Green. And you have, you know, a great power forward in DeMarcus Cousins if he can stay healthy. So I think if they can get all their pieces, you know, lined up healthy, then they definitely have a shot to be 
the second best team. I, I don't trust DeMarcus Cousins' health enough to, to see him being much of a factor, especially with Anthony Davis there. I, I think that's that didn't well, they necess- play together. They played together. They played together, but did it really work all that well? I mean, I think they made the play like they I think they ended up barely making the playoffs. They made the playoffs made and the then AC. they swept Portland, I believe. They got swept. He didn't they didn't did, they didn't. No, didn't they beat somebody? In no, the, no, okay. no, 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 no. Okay. Because DeMarcus Cousins got injured and hurt his Achilles. Mm-hmm. I think that DeMarcus Cousins is a wild card worth the amount of money that they gave to him because what center are you going to get that has that type of potential on the market? Mm. I, I think he's that piece. Cousins is that piece that will potentially push them over the edge if he can stay healthy. They could be a number two team if DeMarcus Cousins becomes what he was in Sacramento. Yeah, that's asking a lot at this point. I really like that that pick by Lucas. I had the Lakers a little further down, but I think number two is not that far of a stretch. Um, If you're just specifically looking at the Western Conference, I don't know about you guys. I think Anthony Davis is going to lead this team in scoring, and I think they've got the right pieces to feed him the ball consistently throughout throughout all 82 games. You've got LeBron James. You've got Rajon Rondo. I do think James is ready to maybe not – I don't want to say. I mean, he's going to run point for for the Lakers. Like he's going to carry the ball for for most of the time. But I think he's really ready to start feeding the ball to Anthony Davis a lot more. I think we could see a, a career year out of AD. Career year out of AD. So my five number one, the Clippers. I think that was a complete sweep in terms yeah. of number well one deserved. spots. Well deserved. I mean, you think about the young court that we had. That not we. Excuse me. They have, uh, the, of course, the Knowles that were drafted that have been absolutely balling out in in the, in the summer league. You talk about Montrezl Harrell, uh, Patrick Beverly. That was a huge re-signing for them. And then of course PG and Kawhi Leonard coming to town. That's going to be a very very entertaining team to watch. And I think that's probably the best team in the NBA at this point. Uh, number two, the Bucks. They did lose Brogdon. They did lose Miritich. And I think that losing Miritich is going to hurt them more than people realize. I think yep. Miritich is an absolute laser of a three-point shooter. He's a fantastic piece. But they did also, I believe they, didn't they keep, no, they, did they, they didn't keep Brooke Lopez, did they? No, they did because his brother no, ended did. up coming. They did. They, they brought, so, there, they there brought was in somebody, Robin Lopez. Somebody, somebody either left or came in there. Uh, that was settled. Ir- Irsan Ilyasova, I'm not sure if they kept him. Mm, that might have been who I was thinking of. Anyways, uh, Bucks at number two. They kept a lot of their team. They re-signed Middleton, I think, even though Luke thinks that that signing was bum. Uh, I, I, I think awful. I think that the Bucks kept enough of their pieces in order to be able to earn the right to be a number two team in the NBA at this point. Uh, number three, I actually have this backwards on my list here. Number three, the Nuggets. I, I really am a huge fan of Malone and what he's been able to do with this Denver team. Mm-hmm. Uh, not post-Malone. Uh, <laughs> um, uh I really enjoy Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. I think that's probably one of the most underrated duos in the entire NBA, what they can do, just the skill sets that both of them have. And they're both inked, I believe. I don't. Th- I think Jokic still has maybe one or two years, but Murray signed a long-term yeah. contract, so Murray's he's going to be there the for a while, and that's great for that franchise. You know, Denver was always that team that was in the middle that you were always kind of hoping would get over the hump, and now that they're over the hump, they are a force to be reckoned with. I wouldn't be surprised if they knock out a couple of the contending uh, contenders in the West. Uh, because they are that scary. Number four are the Lakers. I, I kind of gave Lucas a hard time for having them at number two, uh, but number four I think is about where they should be, teetering on number five. I don't. I, I have to see the combo of Anthony Davis and LeBron James before I make any final decision about how I feel on the team. I think LeBron James running the point is obviously going to do a lot for that team, but I don't know how the pieces of Rajon Rondo, Avery Bradley, and Danny Green are going to work together because essentially you, you – 
basically the Lakers shipped their entire roster and got another roster completely back. Luke, or not? Excuse me, Brett. You're you're nodding your head in agreement. I think the argument to to have them further down, like I know I just agreed with Lucas having them as high as two, but they are really one injury away from falling out of maybe even the top 10, yeah. where none of these other teams that we've been discussing are. They're a lot deeper. The Lakers are taking a big risk, but I do think they have the biggest reward if it pays off. I mean, they do have a couple of injury-prone guys. I'm not saying that Anthony Davis is necessarily injury-prone, but he was hurt last year. I mean, and look what happened to that team when LeBron was injured last yeah, season. Yeah, absolutely. They were you know, probably going to be a 4-5 yeah. or five seed maybe in the West if he stayed healthy. They were definitely going to make the playoffs, and then when he gets injured, they become a train wreck. Now, I I, t- I think maybe the mindset of that team that year might have had something to do with it. I think there's a lot more veterans on this team this year that might help them if one of the big, I guess, call them big three. I don't know how much you want to factor into Marcus Cousins into two. that. It's a big two. Anybody goes down, I think this team is going to be more well prepared to handle it. But I don't know how how you know how well they. I guess in comparison to last year's team, yeah. they would be Give able to handle Kentavious it. Give me Contavious Caldwell Pope's agent. <laughs> <laughs> All right, because that man, did you know that Contavious Caldwell Pope, he got work release from jail to play with the Lakers. Yeah. He was in jail yeah. playing for the Lakers. This guy got his money. I, I don't, he's, he's, he's what, one what of those, was What was that about Rob Polinka saying that Caldwell Pope's going to be a cornerstone of the franchise yeah, or something? Yeah, I, was, I don't, I don't know. He's, he's a glorified Fabo Cephalosha, and I hate the NBA <laughs> for making those people. It, it was like Tony Allen made it. Mm-hmm. Made it uh, respectable to have that guy on your team yep. because he was he was an absolute monster. Mm-hmm. But then now you're having guys on your team that just don't even deserve to be in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, Contavious Caldwell Pope, bless him, bless bless so, him and his money. So got. number five on my list. I know I've taken up a lot of time here. Number five, it's actually a five and a five A between the 76ers and the Jazz. I love what the Jazz have done in the offseason getting Conley. I think that's going to be fantastic for them in terms of production as well as defense. I mean, they're the best defensive team in the NBA probably at this point. Uh, and the 76ers are a really good team. But as I said, I already talked about this earlier on. I don't trust Ben. I don't trust the Sixers without Ben Simmons having a jump shot. I'm not sure what the chemistry is going to be like now that Jimmy Butler is out of there. I don't know if Jimmy Butler elevated that team in terms of performance or depleted it. Obviously, Al Horford's a nice pickup. Um, so that was everybody's. Uh, that was everybody's top five. Does anybody else have any gripes before we move on here? Any gripes? Any any praises? Any hey, that I, was a good list. I Luke? love. I think we all had. Good I lists. love the Jazz. I, I, I really the like j- the Jazz. Too. The Jazz and the Nuggets are, are two teams that nationally don't get as much press. But those are going to be teams that you want your kid to go and watch and then yeah. watch them play basketball because the Jazz Grandpa's are going to love those. Teams. I, I mean, <laughs> pound the over on any team the Jazz play. They are going to be great defensively. Absolutely. All right. So, moving on, we I was going to do ML, MLB trade deadline this week, but obviously I, I counted the days. There is some time, and we do get another show before the trade deadline officially passes, and we're we're going to have some juicy stuff. Um, to talk about at that point. Hopefully some players are going to be moved by then. Going to be really, really interesting. But what we haven't done yet, um, and this is, this, I guess, is a little bit overdue, but uh, MLB Midseason Awards. We're just going to go through our MVPs, our Cy Young winners, uh, Manager of the Year, Rookie of the Year, uh, biggest disappointment, biggest surprise, and we're going to start with you, Luke. Uh, actually, you know, we can probably – make this one relatively quick is there anybody besides mike trout that's going to be the mvp of the al in the american league not a chance not a chance no Uh, yeah that's what i I thought i can't i can't attest to the other the other teams going around um how well they've been but i really i really do like what cash has been doing with the Rays. they've gone on a little bit of a slump but 
looking at the rest of the MLB, it's not um, is it Pete Pete Alonso will probably win Rookie of the Year? Would, mm-hmm. would you say yeah. that? Well, we're we're, we're we're starting with the MVP here. Yeah, going a look. I I I like. DJ LeMahieu when he's been able to do for the Yankees. I mean, but okay. I mean, you, you it's don't unfair. Right you don't now. you don't off, have yeah. a player like Mike Trout and have and be able to say he's been this good for this long and he's getting better. Like yeah. that that's like cosmically mind blowing. Yeah, no, it's unreal and it's it's yeah. DJ LeMahieu's having a really great year. Xander Bogarts out in Boston. I know I'm giving a lot of credit to Yankees and Red Sox. Not really something I like to do, um, <laughs> but it is deserved. But your bias is showing. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Not really. <laughs> Tuck it away. <laughs> it's weird, like, because Mike Trout is so good, yeah. and no one really cares. They're just like, yeah, he's being well, good this year. I mean, year. the That's Angels great. are actually above 500 for the first time in a long time. They've always been on the bad side of 500. And now I they, think it's they're their pitching. They got rid of Matt Harvey, uh, but I think their pitching has been a little bit difficult for him over the years. Mm-hmm. And Albert Pujols, have you, have you seen Albert Pujols try to run down the baseline? Yeah. Ooh. Makes Ooh. me feel better about what <laughs> yeah. about yeah. my oh, athleticism. Yeah. Uh, we are we. I mean, we all agreed that uh, Mike Trout, yeah, Trout, yeah. Mike Trout. Uh, so uh, National League MVP. I'm just gonna put it between two because I think I generally have an idea of who y'all are gonna pick. Uh, Yelich or Bellinger? Uh, it's gotta be Christian Yelich. I mean, the Marlins gotta be kicking themselves even more. I know it was a deal they probably had to make. Yeah. Uh, but you yeah. look at you look at uh, Yelich's numbers. He's got 35 home runs, leads all of baseball. He's only one home run away from how many he hit last year when he won the MVP. Um, the the biggest number that stands out to me is that um, 11.57 OPS. He's absolutely just driving the ball to all fields, putting it in the gap, getting a lot of extra base hits and. I, I really don't think it's a, as close as a lot of people think it is with Bellinger. I think Yelich is far and away the, the MVP in the National League. Lucas? You know, I have to disagree. I'm, my pick would be Bellinger. I mean, he has just been a monster this year. I mean, you know, hitting 336 like that, 30 home runs. He's honestly really close uh, stat-wise with Yelich, but I think that, you know, the Dodgers being so far ahead in the NL is more, you know, mostly due just to how well Bellinger's played this year. Well, I think their pitching also has a great amount to do yeah. with that. I mean, Walker Bueller and uh, Hio Rint. Rio Hin- 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 Ryu. Yes, yes. Thank you. I'm going to have to store that in my brain capsule for <laughs> later. Uh, all right, Luke. Yelich or Bellinger? First, I would like to apologize for messing up this segment. Didn't know we were going to do it this way. It yeah. It's so much easier on my brain. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I got you. I, I always know what's best for you. I was like, I, I was like, wait. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to have to go with Christian Yelich because, and I'm going to take what Lucas said and say that, oh, the Dodgers are so far ahead and, and Cody Bellinger has – has helped them be that be be that great, but if you take Cody, it's it's most valuable player. If you take Cody Bellinger off the Dodgers, they're still they're going to be really good. Yep. good. You know, if you take Christian Yelich off Milwaukee, that team falls off a cliff. They're they're below five hundred. So it's got to be Christian Yelich. But based off of in in my opinion, it's based off of if you take them off the team, how much worse would they be? Yeah, agreed. It has to be Yelich for me Fair as well. Point. Especially because, I mean, he's literally—I'm not gonna say literally, but he's practically been the MVP for two years, uh, yeah. going on two years. I mean, he's had this hot streak go on for seemingly forever. And you take a look at how some other teams and some other players struggle in terms of consistency. Yelich has been doing this practically from the word go this season, as well as last season. I mean, he carried Milwaukee past the Cubs in the in the uh, the wild card round and into. Uh, the later stages of the of the playoffs, and it was really really impressive. So I can't say that you know Bell uh, that Bellinger isn't you know I guess worth 
you know, the hype, I guess, around the Dodgers, but Yelich is just that much better. Definitely. Uh, Cy Young winner for the AL. Brett, I'm going to start with you. Um, even though the home run statistics aren't really uh, my favorite, but it's got to be Justin Verlander again, just been really dominant. 138 and two-thirds innings pitched already this season. At his age, too, 36. Yeah, in a 299 ERA, that .844 whip, uh, it's Verlander for me. Lucas? You know, this will probably make Brett happy. I know it will, but I'm going to go with Charlie Morton. You know, just <laughs> <laughs> keep it, keep it contained, Brett. Keep it contained. Keep it in the pants. It's been fantastic. You know, a 2.98 ERA, leading in. You know, uh, three out of four of the major stat uh, stat lines. He's just been uh, great. All right, uh, Luke. I, I I can't I can't throw one out there, Nick. I'm I'm I want to be a homer and say Charlie Morton as well, um, but. <laughs> It's uh, it's it's. It, are the Rays gonna be good enough this year to make the postseason? I don't know. Just say I, Justin Verlander with me. Just, 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 just go ahead and do it. Just agree. I, I'm gonna have to stick with. I'm gonna have okay. to stick with the Rays. Right. Bi- bias is showing. All badly. right. If uh, new co-host for Tomahawk Talk, if you would like to become the new co-host of the show, contact me. At uh, just kidding. Uh, yeah, Justin Verlander is my pick for AL. I mean, doing what he is at his age, he has had ups and downs in his career. This is definitely an up. I think, especially with the home run differential, like Brett mentioned, this is really a year that I think that he should win. We're gonna kind of go a little bit faster. We're running a little, little bit on time. Uh, Cy Young for the National League. Uh, Luke, I'm gonna throw it back at you. Or do you need more time to look it up on oh, your phone? Oh, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull it up. Yeah, I'm. I, 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 Max Scherzer. Is is that is that a, a good enough pick for you guys? Yeah, not not a great I, first half, but a really really great second half. He I, could do I, it. I really mm-hmm. like, especially after he he came. Did did it? What what happened to his face? Did he get hit in the face with a ball? Yeah, and, and yep. he pitched the next day with a broken nose. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. He, he was shagging balls in BP. That's that was what was happening. Yeah, something think. like that. Or no, he was trying to bunt. He was trying yeah. to bunt in BP. <laughs> yeah. But Max Scherzer, I I love the guy. He's 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 great. Unfortunately, he's on the Nationals, so that team isn't really going to go anywhere without mm-hmm. Bryce Harper. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, for me, it's Hinjin Ryu of the uh, LA Dodgers. I don't really have a lot of time to break down what ERA plus is, but just know he's doing it better than pretty much anyone ever has. 11th best all time with a 2.36 ERA plus. He is uh, uh, 11 and two with the Dodgers, best team in baseball. It's got to be Ryu. Yeah, I agree. I'm gonna go with Hinjin Ryu. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you had to think about that, didn't you? Yes, yeah, I did. yeah. That's how I am with your last name, Lucas. I'm gonna be honest with you. It literally just takes me a second to focus in on it. But I think I've been good today. Sorry, right. you did well. I've man. been good you on did. it today. Yeah, Ryu. I mean, I going into the season, taking a look at what Bueller was able to do in the playoffs last year, I thought, <laughs> okay, there's no way that there's gonna be anybody else that's gonna be the ace for the Dodgers besides maybe Kershaw or Bueller. But he, uh, he, he, Yun, Jin Ryu. Gosh, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to. Uh, hey, 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 Sebastian, uh, edit that in post. I think editing. that's a great. I, I think that's great pronunciation. I think I'm. I'm gonna give. I, I like <sighs> it. Thank you, thank you. I I don't deserve your kindness, Luke. He's just trying to get back into my I'm good buttering. graces I'm after I said I kick up. him off the show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, manager of the year, Brett. Uh, for the American League, it's got to be Rocco Baldelli. First season in charge. I got to watch him play uh, when I was a kid growing up, and now to watch him manage at the biggest stage and do it so well. He's got the Twins in first place over the Cleveland Indians. Uh, it's got to be Baldelli in the AL. Right, we're just going to do, I guess, manager of the year overall. I know that there's different managers for the different leagues, but we're really running low on time. I'll still, so I'll still take Baldelli. Yeah, yeah. Lucas, do you have one name to pull out of the hat? Brian Cashman. Okay. Brian Cashman. Yeah. Any, any, any reason why? <laughs> He's a GM, isn't he? We'll allow it. We'll allow it. Well, manager, GM, uh, governor, isn't that one? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like cash. I like cash with uh, with with the Rays, and I'm gonna, mm-hmm. I'm gonna say it right now. Right now, he's not gonna be manager of the year, but by the end of the season, I, I think the Rays are gonna finish really strong, 
and and really uh, really put a, put a little bit to the New York Yankees. Maybe maybe try to take over the division. Uh, maybe so. Rocco Baldelli is my manager of the year as well. So uh, in the final minute of the show, uh, biggest disappointment. You can have one team, one player, two teams, any 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 combination you'd like. I have a couple of teams for each, but we'll, we'll try to stick to teams. Brett, biggest I'm go, disappointment. I'm going to go Paul Goldschmidt. He was my pick to win the NL MVP at the start of the season wow. with that 759 OPS. Really not great for what a lot of people thought was the biggest offseason acquisition for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Lucas? Yeah, I'm going to agree. I'm going to go Paul Goldschmidt here. Luke? I'll, the hype. I'll, I'll go with the, the Pittsburgh Pirates for trading Glasnow and uh, Austin Meadows, one of the dumbest trades of all time. The Rays actually stole someone. <laughs> like, it was, they, they should go to jail for what they did. Uh, biggest disappointment, Mets and Phillies. I mean, in, oh. a, in, in, a, in a, you oh, know, a division that was seemingly going to be dominated at least by the Phillies. I know the Phillies have been extremely hurt. So that's not always their fault, but Phillies have been kind of, yeah, this year they should be winning the division, at least be in the top two. Uh, uh, the Nationals are, are really quite a surprise in that aspect. Um, but, yeah, okay, so biggest surprise. Brett? Biggest surprise has got to be, uh, yeah, again, the Minnesota Twins, not just Paul Deli, but that entire team. That offense has been killing it. Lucas? Oh, the biggest surprise? I'm going to be honest, I don't really have one right now, like, it's it's, yeah. it's gone pretty pretty part of the course for for, for the, the season. Most part, yeah. All right, Luke. I think it was the uh well what, let's go with, with the, let's go with the pitcher for for the Lo, uh, Los Angeles uh Dodgers. Let's I am not going to say his name yeah, you I don't, don't want to butcher it, but yeah, Nick uh-huh. Nick you're so good at it. Oh, I thank you, buddy. Uh, can can thank you, you pronounce yeah, it yeah. for me? Hyun Jin Ryu. Okay. Yeah, is I, he is he your biggest surprise? He's not my biggest surprise. Oh. My biggest surprise have been the Twins and the Indians. I've stuck with teams strictly. Okay. Indians were kind of supposed to be in a rebuilding year. I know they play in a pretty crummy division, but uh, uh, the Indians have done quite well in getting a nice roster. But with that being said, thank you all so much for tuning into Tomahawk Talk. That is the end of the show. For Luke, for Brett, for Lucas, I've been your host, Nick Carlisle. New release is up next. We'll be back next week with more Tomahawk Talk. Thank you all so much for being here, and we'll move it along. <laughs>